Hey, thanks for tuning in to Acts 23, a verse-by-verse study through the book of Acts. This week, we'll hear a message from Pastor Andy Bowles. Guys, we've been over this. Clapping's one of them things you got to be all in for, okay? You start clapping. If you're the only one, just go ahead and clap. Let her loose, you know. Clapping's kind of contagious, right? Clapping 101. <laughs> Y'all doing good tonight? Let me, let me tell you what's happening uh, all over, primarily, I guess, central, southeast United States of America. Um, today, at 10 o'clock this morning, a.m., two weeks ago, Asbury University and their chapel service had what was, with all respects, a normal chapel service. Anybody hear anything about this, by the way? Yeah, a lot of people have. And so a preacher gets up. At his own testimony, he says later about his message, I whiffed. You know, that's a, that's a baseball terminology. The ball's coming. He totally missed the ball, struck out. I whiffed at the message. He preached a message basically on replicating God's love through our life. Felt like he did a horrible job. Now, there was a lot of things in the background that had been happening that led up to what happened after that message, like missionaries who uh, had spent time praying over a specific revival for that university that kind of mirrored the revival that happened at that university in the 1970s, 70s, somewhere in there. And so they were, they were praying for that. The, the Spirit of the Lord told them to come back there two weeks prior to two weeks ago this morning. So about a month ago, the Holy Spirit says, go back there. Revival's about to start. They go back and they're still praying for revival to happen. And so two weeks after they show up, this phenomenal thing takes place. And so, so two weeks ago, 10 a.m. this morning, the guy preaches a message on love. There's been some retreats within the university with certain groups of students, and they had already been talking about what would it look like if we just abandoned everything and began to search after the Lord, seek after the Lord. And they applied that at that chaplain service. The preacher preaches gives a a response opportunity, walks off the stage, gives the students opportunity to come. As long as students are going to come, they're going to keep playing. And students, at least a handful of them, were at the stage area and they were praying as other students were dismissed. The guy says, hey, if you've got classes to attend, go ahead and go attend those classes. Uh, But if if you've got free time and you want to seek the Lord, then now's your time to do that. Well, a little while goes by, and all of a sudden, a crowd that had dispersed begins to reassemble. And and not just that crowd, by the way. This this past weekend, a town, Wilmore, Kentucky, of 6,000 residents is overwhelmed with 20,000 people who come to see what's going on at Asbury University. It spread over 20 campuses, not all campuses with that kind of number turnout, but 20 plus campuses. It's in a few other countries. The Philippines this past weekend, by the way, 
baptized a certain group of Christians in the area, of the, in a certain area of the Philippines, baptized over 2,000 people at one time. It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. A church over in Brandon this past weekend had a gentleman stand up after giving his life to Jesus during the response time and said, I want to be baptized right now. And they're like, it's kind of like Acts chapter, chapter uh, 8 or the Ethiopian eunuch. What does hinder me to be baptized? Seeing here is water. Here's water. And so the guy, the guy, they're like, oh, man, there's nothing stopping you from being baptized. Let's baptize you. And so they gave a gospel response and said, anybody else who feels led of the Holy Spirit to be baptized today after trusting in Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord, that's a qualifier for it, right? And, and they open the floor and 105 more people come forward. <laughs> Another church in the metro area, 50 baptisms this weekend. I've had three friends that have attended this Asbury University revival. One is Robbie Gallaty. He is a pastor in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And uh, he, he went there and with a couple of other friends, Vic Green being one of those guys. And they're just sitting there and they're praying. And their testimony is an unreal experience. Tim Wheat, who was in the part of the training process for me as a church planner, goes and he stays until 1.30 in the morning. And he says, it was still going strong when I left. Richard Bitterman, some of you guys are going to go with us on a mission trip to Springfield, Missouri, and, and Richard Bitterman is, a, is the outreach pastor there, and, and he texts me, and he's excited. He's going to be able to go. He went this past Monday, and he shows up at this revival, and, and he says, I sat down in that revival and worshiped for six hours, but it only felt like 30 minutes. Six hours. Only felt like 30 minutes. Said, said one person led a, led a prayer during a, during a certain prayer time, and it was like, it was electrifying, this prayer. This, this revival that is happening, and the embers of this revival is kind of seemingly spread out. And, and, and I'm going to just be honest with you. I'm just one of those guys that is like, okay, is this, is this a legit thing, right? And, and so this morning, just as many proponents that there are for this revival, there are those who are um, not really fond of what's happening in a sense. So I watched some YouTube videos of some guys and listened to some podcasts of some people who were saying negative things about, oh, this is not real revival, or maybe it's, it is revival. We're going to see in the tell of time, and there's a lot of skepticism with it. But, but I'm just going to say this. If, if one person's revived there, it's revival. Amen. If two people are revived there, it's revival. You don't need to try to think in your mind, this is how revival has to happen, A, B, C, D, because you don't own revival. God owns it. As a matter of fact, God said, if you want it, you can have it. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then he said, I will, in essence, pour out this reviving. Because if I, in verse 13, a lot of people don't know verse 13, they just know verse 14. If I decide to hold up the reins in the heavens, if I decide to send a famine, if I decide to send a pestilence because y'all are acting like a bunch of knuckleheads and I need to get your attention, then they'll be reviving if my people who are called by my name. 
So there's, there's naysayers, and then there's uh, others that are a little more extravagant, you know, and that's okay too. You guys might have heard that one specific incident happened during the revival to where a person looked as though they were having a seizure. They called for medics to come, EMTs, ambulance to come and address the need of the person who were having a seizure, and one person in the audience had discernment to see beyond what looked like a seizure and begin to call a foul spirit out of a person out of that person. Now that might freak some of you guys out, but it happened. It's video and audio evidence of this happening. And at the calling out of this foul spirit, there was a loud screech. You can look it up on YouTube. We don't have video here tonight, but you can look it up on YouTube. A, a screech came out. Matter of fact, I'm reading through Mark right now, just started, and I was reading to where the same thing happened in a synagogue in Mark chapter 1. I believe those things still happen. And so, and so revival, revival. Uh, you say, uh, is it revival? We'll tell when time comes. Somebody said, it's not revival until somebody gets saved. Well, I saw a testimony of a guy who got saved. Guy was up here and he gave his life to Jesus and he wanted to let everybody know that because of this open mic testimony, I gave my life to Jesus. The place erupts with, with thanksgiving unto the Lord. I'm not going to let just angels celebrate when one sinner repents. And so they go crazy. Another guy from Brazil who's going to school there stands up and starts talking about some of the hard luck that he's fallen on. And, and he's just got lost his job and got several needs. And one guy from the balcony yells down, hey, bro and throws some money and it lands on the stage. And then all of a sudden, one after the other, people come throwing money at this guy's feet and he's like, no, 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 no. And then there's a rush of other people saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just let God do what God's doing here, right? R revival, experiencing the power of God through the presence of God. I don't think any of this is... is, is, is um, uh, uh, off, off schedule, at least as far as God's calendar is concerned. I don't, I don't think any of this is, is, is catching God by surprise. And it really shouldn't catch us by surprise. If, you, if you'll notice this, February the 5th, the Grammys happened. February the 8th, God sends revival. In, a, in, in a, either a micro or macro scale, however you want to determine that, whatever, if you want to balance your skepticisms with your expectations, however you want to handle that, that's fine. But this is what I noticed with the Grammys, where you've got Brandon Lake and Maverick City who receive a Grammy before they start showing it on air and they preach the gospel. It's only to the crowd. It's not on air for national news and all of this other things. But then they start rolling the film and CBS announces through tweeting, let's worship. It's time to worship. And then all of a sudden, there's the screen with all these people. As they come into the doors, they're given devil horns to put on their heads. And you've got Sam Smith, who's non-binary, singing all these songs about adultery and things like that. In a song titled, Unholy, It Ain't Worth a Google Search. And he's singing all of these things and there's flames and there's people dancing in cages and, and there's other artists, if you want to call them that, who come up and glorify Satan. And they say Satan's just a symbol, not a real individual that represents a rebellion against a, a form of religion and so that religion can impose its views upon us. And that happens on February the 5th 
And then God shows up at Asbury University in a town of 6,000, 10 a.m. on a Wednesday morning. God shows up in some irresistible power on the wake of all that. And not only does he show up, the Grammys didn't last, but maybe an hour, hour and a half, two hours. I don't watch a junk. But this has been going on for at least two weeks. You see, they experienced power. Everybody that I know have gone there, the testimonies that are coming back is the president of Asbury University says, it is unreal. I've never experienced anything like this before in my life. You see, that's the testimony of people who have experienced the power of God. We're in this study in Acts, and so we're trying to go verse by verse as much as we can. And if you'll remember, last Wednesday, we were in chapter 4. We're going to be in chapter 4 again. Uh, this Wednesday, go ahead and get your Bibles and be in turn there. We're actually going to start in verse 31. But last Wednesday, verses 1 through 22, we talked about as a Christian who lives godly after Christ, you can expect persecution, trouble. You can expect Things not to always go your way in life. Generally, it rains on the just and the unjust. But in particular, due to your faith in Jesus Christ, there can be troublesome things that happen. And so you can expect persecution. But tonight we're going to talk about if you live through the expected persecution because of a godly lifestyle, you can also experience power. I want to read verse 31, and, and then I want to go from verse 31, and I want to bounce back to verse 23. And as we've done, we're going to read verse 23 down to verse 37. That's going to conclude the chapter, and the next Wednesday we'll be in chapter 5. But I want to read this verse right here to kind of set up what we're talking about tonight. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. What happened here? <laughs> this, this is the high point. If, if you're watching the heartbeat chart of the scripture, this is where the top peak of the upward stroke of the chambers of heart, the heart beats the strongest right here, right? They, they've gone through some persecution. There's been some issues. They retreat for prayer and reporting, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. And as they pray, God shows up. They prayed and then the glory of God was revealed. Let, let, let me just explain this to you real quick before we get into reading the scripture. There is a room of average people. This ain't that room. Y'all are above average. Nudge your neighbor and say, you above average. All right, say it like you mean it now. Don't leave them wondering. Okay. But let's just say there is a room of average people. They're average in height. They're average in weight. They're average in intellect. They're average in ability. They're average in hair color, hair design, eyes, features of their face and their body build. They're very average people. You could look and it's almost like average carbon copies. But then somebody walks in, maybe like you, that's above average. 
And then all of a sudden, a room with average people sees a person walk in that is above average. People who may have little to no charisma, and somebody comes in, and they're charismatic. And people that have an average voice tone, and one comes in, and their voice tone is, is different. It's, it's attractive. Uh, this person comes in, and their, their hair is a little bit different, and, and their feature is a little bit different, and, and they just stand out. Here's another example. There is a classroom full of students and they're C-plus students. I remember when I was in school, a C-plus for me was an A-plus. Kids don't take my example. I'm just telling you the way. Somebody told me one time, C's get degrees, baby. And so, full of C's in the room. Nobody's on the dean's list. Students are showing up, doing the work that's expected and checking out. But then there's somebody that comes in the room, and when they come in the room, they have a lapel full of pens that represent all of their academic achievements. When they come in, they don't take a seat at the back of the classroom, but instead they take a seat in the front of the classroom. When the teacher or professor comes in, the teacher and professor, they don't know everybody else's name, but they recognize this person because they know their name, because they know their accomplishments, they know their achievements. This person stands out. One more quick example. There's a team full of athletes. They're good enough to be on the team... They obviously have ability and talent and strength, speed, determination, perseverance. They've got all of those things. But there's one athlete on the team. All these other athletes, maybe one or two stars, but this athlete, five-star recruit. Every major college in the nation is focusing on this one athlete. This athlete is bigger. This athlete is stronger. This athlete is faster. This, this athlete has a mentality of the game that is far superior than all of the other athletes. Just like the room full of average people and average students and the team of average athletes have a gap between them and the ones who are superior is as God when God shows up and reveals his glory to his people. You need to pay attention. Don't flake out on me real. You got, you got to pay attention. Stay with me, okay? This is the gap created when the glory of God shows up. When the glory of God is revealed and the glory of God shows up and the extreme power of God is known and experienced, all of a sudden there is a realization that everything that we thought, when we, we judge ourselves by ourselves with that standard and we look at one another and we might think to ourselves, I'm not good as him, I'm a little bit better than him. And, and we try to fight this plain thing out in our intellect, in our ability, in our looks and all of these kind of things. And all of a sudden God shows up. And now we see that there is a gap far greater. There is one who is more majestic. There is one who has greater power. There is one who has absolute authority. 
There's one who when he speaks, all ears hear at his commanding voice. There is one who when he steps in the room, you can't help but to have every eye turn to that one who steps into the room. He is superior in absolutely every way. That is, when the glory of God comes in, there is a gap realized between us and him. And now we see, man, how amazing. You see, this is what's happening here with these guys. Peter and John, they go and they heal this lame man. They get a slap on the wrist for doing that. Don't go preach the name of Jesus. We can't deny what happened. The man's over 40 years old. Everybody knows him. Everybody sees he wouldn't walk one day, and now he can walk. He's leaping. He's singing praises unto God. We see the change in transformation, but we're telling you, you don't need to go and preach this name of Jesus or his resurrection. Remember the Sadducees, don't preach of the resurrection of Jesus anymore. And yet, what do they do? They keep on. They, they have a heart that's bent toward a God of glory that in his glory as it is revealed and it has been revealed and it is going to be revealed again shows the gap between us, standard average, even in the greatest of who we are and the splendor and majesty and the absolute amazement of who he is. And they prayed and the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. Let's look back real quick at verse 23. And being let go, remember they were detained, imprisoned, uh, and they were now released. They got bonded out free of charge. Can't hold the charges against you. And they went to their own company. They found their peeps, you know. Ain't nobody like my people, right? You, you know when you're not in your people group. You know how you feel when you're not around your people. You know how awkward it is and how distant you feel. And you can show up in a room of thousands of people and be alone because that's not your people, right? And so after they left, they knew exactly where to go. They go to the church or their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders have said unto them and leave nothing out as best as they could. Now, these guys were men, okay? These guys were men. I believe that they reported... All that they could remember, you ladies, you wives, know what I'm talking about when I'm pointing out the fact that these were men. How many of you wives want to know about your husband's day? How was your day? It was good. Doggone it, there was more than just good that happened. So I'm sure that maybe there were some details that were left, left out. But it says they reported as all, all, that, all that the chief priests and elders said unto him, Verse 24, and when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, they just began to pray. This is what happened. This is what they did. And there was a undertone that said, if they did this to us, because you have the same mission, you're about to go out and do the same thing. We're in chapter four, headlong into chapter five. It won't be long. In chapter seven, we're going to see a guy who preaches the gospel from Abraham on to Jesus, and they're going to take him and stone him to death. It's a serious stuff that's happening. When they heard that, they lifted up the voice to God one accord. They're together. They said, Lord, thou art God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. You are the creating God. There is none like you, who by the mouth of thy servant David, is a prophet, 
has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? That's what we're experiencing, God. That's what they experienced there. That's what we experience here. And the kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. There is really only one true ruler and king. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, and the Gentiles, he's just naming everybody that tried to be more superior than him. His glory shows up through the cross, reveals that there's a huge gap. We're gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before it to be done. God has a plan and a will that is far beyond what our reasoning can fully understand. God is a God who sees into the future. God is a God who takes care of things from in the future, in the past. This is that kind of God who, who knows all things. And, and because he does, he is a planning God. So he had planned this. In other words, this is what the revelator John would say, that Jesus is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world to do what's over thy hand and thy counsel determined before it to be done. And now, Lord, behold thy, their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by thy name of thy holy child, Jesus. Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, I'll do that. And this is what they're doing because of your holy child, Jesus, twice. Verse 31, that verse that we just talked about. If your Bible's like mine, it has this little symbol that means change of paragraph. So they come, they report everything that had been done. They said together, if it happened to them, it's going to happen to us. We need to pray. And they began to pray. And you heard their prayer. Their prayer didn't last 20 seconds. Their, their prayer wasn't so steeped in, 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 in theological language to where they're, 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 they're expressing words that they otherwise wouldn't have. We already saw to where the, those who were learned men, educated in religious ways, they looked at these guys and said, these men are uneducated, but we can tell that they've been with Jesus, therefore Jesus has made a change in them. They wouldn't. You look in the scriptures and very seldom will you see a long prayer or a prayer that is so wordy it's almost hard to understand. God, we know everything that has happened has happened because you knew it was going to happen. And you know that we need boldness and we need your help to do what you've called us to do. We believe what Jesus did on the cross because we believe Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and there's nothing outside of his sovereign hand and power. And when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. And a multitude of them that believed were of one heart. I love that fact that in verse 23 it says, they went to their own. Verse 24 says, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and after the prayer time, after the shaking of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit and the boldness to preach the word of God, they were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he had possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. It doesn't mean that they all like the same ball club. They, they began to look at each other's needs, and they realized in this moment 
Now you can go back to chapter 2 and you can see a strong flavor of this already happening. But, but I want you to tie the, tie the dots here or connect the dots here together that in chapter 2 is the day of Pentecost. They are receiving the Holy Spirit and they are preaching the Word of God with boldness and now they are distributing what they have to meet the needs of those that are around them. You've got a filling You've got a proclamation and you've got a generosity. The same thing happens in this passage. There is a filling and a keep on filling from the Holy Ghost. There is a proclamation. They speak the word of God with boldness and there is a generosity. Anytime you experience the power of God, it'll be displayed in the same way. You can experience it personally with solitude by yourself for a moment of aloneness with God and he speak to you through your prayer or fasting or reading of the Bible and there it is. And it's displayed the same way. Just like what's happening there at Asbury. They're praying together. <laughs> they experience God's power. The Holy Spirit is known through the power that is given. They are speaking the word of God with boldness and there is great generosity that is coming out of that. <laughs> He goes on in verse 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And a great grace fell upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the price of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according to his, as he had need. And there was one certain guy, uh, Joseph, or however you want to pronounce that, who by the apostles were certain. How can I, how can I pronounce Barnabas and not Joseph. Anyway, that's a personal moment. Sorry, you got invited in. Which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite of the country, Cyprus. Now this, this is Barnabas that helps Saul, who is Paul, come into the fold. Having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. I'm telling you, just crazy things are happening here. You would think that after reading the first 22 verses of chapter 4 that things would calm down. Because that's the world's response to the stirring of God's Spirit among His people when His people become a little bit too aggressive. I use the air quotes for that. Too aggressive. When the world says... Holy Rose, when the world says you're getting out of your box, when the world says you're offending me, when the world says that's not tolerant, when the world throws all these things as labels on the church and tries to bag the church down, the last resort is that of persecution. We saw a light form of it. Later we'll see the greatest form of it, martyrdom of Stephen. <laughs> but the world says back off now. Back off now. You see, this, this, is, this is the strange thing, okay? When the work of God is being done and the word of God is being proclaimed, for those who are willing to receive, with those to whom God is priming the pump of their heart to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, to come and radicalize their life, to transform them, their, being, their, their appetites are being wet by God to come to God. And when the proclamation is made, it's almost like a key 
that unlocks a door to a greatly desired room. You remember the way it was for you? Yeah, you remember. You might have been in a very desperate place in life, but you remember you was hurting. You had no answers. There was no relief. You had no hope, peace, joy. You couldn't love, right? You tried, but it wasn't right. You knew it wasn't right. It always turned out to be something like lust or desire or manipulation. It was never pure. And you're confronted with that every single day. And you know something is wrong. And you may have even jumped through the religious loops of life. And you might have tried to appease a voice that was speaking to you through series of, of do this and do that and you'll be okay kind of stuff. Self-help kind of things even. Until you got to the end of it all. You said, man, I can't do nothing else. <laughs> we were talking... This past week, talking about being at the end of your rope or the bottom of your barrel. Maybe just at the end of yourself, like the guy that was in the hog pit, the prodigal son. There's nothing else. That'll it doesn't matter who your friends are. It doesn't matter what they bring you. It doesn't matter what the world entices you with. You have gotten your feel with it, and you're sick and tired of it. And preaching before that was a stigmatism to you. It was a, yeah, I hear it. I'm going to just say I agree because I'm a quote-unquote living in the South kind of Christian, and I hear this, but I really don't believe it. Because if I believed it, listen to this, belief always shapes behavior. You want to know what you believe? Look at what you do. You didn't believe it. It didn't change you. You just, with mental assent, said, yeah, that's okay. I'll, I'll tolerate that. Sometimes people totally reject it, kick against it, and there's higher forms of persecution toward it. But when you get to that place to where you know that you're in a corner and there ain't nowhere else to go, and the preaching of the good news of Jesus who came to save your rotten soul from an eternity in hell. Oh, you mean that can be for me? You mean I can be saved? You mean I can be? You grab at it like it is the last rope tossed to you. You reach for it like it's the last ounce of hope bottled up and that's, that's all that's ever going to be made again. I'm going to grab it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to have it and it's going to be for me. And you swallow all of that up, right? There, there's those two crowds, those who are rejectors and, and there's those who are receivers. There's always two crowds. And so these guys, they know they're they're going to need this power from God to go and preach a power that is beyond them so that others can experience what they've experienced. There's a, there's a, there's a negative spin on experience nowadays. There's a group out there that says, oh, that's just, oh, they're just caught up in experience. Only way you know you like chocolate is because you tasted it. That's an experience. And if you don't like chocolate, I question your salvation. <laughs> Just here to tell you. Experience has to be a part of life. That's why God gave you five senses to experience life. Touch, smell, taste. See, that's, it says here. And so this is, 
This is what these guys are are getting the opportunity at is is to experience this power from God in a miraculous way. It is is a little dynamite and a nucleus of people that's soon to explode and all of these crazy, amazing things are happening and are going to continue to happen because it's what God decides to do when God shows up in all of his glory. So here's the question of the night. What do the results of experienced power look like? Well, when you experience the power of God, and let me just say this real quick, they experienced it through persecution because they were at the spiritual depth to where they could. (laughs) Some of y'all going to grab that fruit off the vine and some of you guys are going to be like, no, that's not my flavor. Okay? (laughs) There is a a glory found in persecution that very few can find it tolerable. (laughs) These guys could. They walked with Jesus for three and a half years. They saw Jesus become mocked and ridiculed. They saw the crowds throng Jesus. They saw the Pharisees and the Sadducees over and over attempt to trap Jesus. They saw Jesus mocked and ridiculed and beat and spit upon and the hairs of his beard plucked out and a crown of thorns upon his head and a cat of nine tails across his back. They saw him hanging on a cross. They heard him say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? They heard him say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They heard him say, Tetelestai, it is finished. How can I say Tetelestai and not say Jose or whatever it is? I'm still hooked up on that. But anyway, they, they, they experienced all this. Now they go out with that power. Not only that, but they've got a unique power that had never been experienced before. The Spirit of God, who's an influencing power over people, is now a dwelling presence of God inside of people. And so now, through persecution, they're headlong into that verse 31. A whole lot more things to come. But what do the results of experienced power looks like, look like? Prayer made. The immediate thing. They come back. They just got out of jail. Amen. It's always good to get out of jail. You get out of jail, where are you going to go? You're going to go to your people. And you're going to tell your people, man, I don't want no peanut butter sandwich for a minute. Because <laughs> that's what you eat in jail. Right? And, and so they're telling them, hey, man, the Sadducees came. It's mad because we was preaching the resurrection of Jesus. And, and the crowds were upset because and, and this guy that was lame, he's now healed and he can walk. And, and they're religious guys who are upset about that. They don't like Jesus a lot, by the way. And they're telling us not to preach or speak his name, especially the part about the resurrection. And we told them, what other name can we preach? It's the only name given in a man whereby men must be saved. We got to preach that name. And we told them talk to the hand because it ain't gonna happen we're gonna go preach Jesus so we're telling you guys buckle up it's coming but with it is a whole lot of good and glory from God and when the glory of God shows up it's gonna separate everybody from him there's gonna be a gap and we're gonna see who stands out 
And so they pray and they pray. Man, this, this prayer, when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God. You, you, have to, you have to notice this. Now, I'm not saying you can't get an experience like this alone, but there's something unique when God's people comes together. I want to tell you, people all around saying, how come I can be the church? I can worship on my boat. You can't on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock if you've chosen to be a part of Embrace. Or Wednesday night at 6.30. You can't be in the hunting stand. It's too dark anyway. You hunt illegal. But you know what I'm saying. I, I, can, I can be a... No, there, there's a uniqueness about coming together as God's people because God expresses a certain power when God's people comes together in harmony and unity. When they heard, they lifted up the voices of God with one accord. This is what their prayer is. Listen to it. Lord, thou art God. <laughs> they recognize who is God. And in recognizing who is God, they just went ahead and said, who ain't God? They already said that in verses 1 through 22 when the crowd comes to them and says, you better stop talking. And they said, should we obey your voice or God's voice? Which one do you think we should obey? <laughs> Lord, we've acted out on this biblical principle, this knowledge that we have. We believe it to be true. You are God. And I'm going to take you a little bit further. You are the God who has created all things. You are the creator God. You've made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in it. To the Jewish ear, what he's saying is, is God, you are a God who decides to, through creation, reveal yourself in a general sense. Somebody says, Andy, what about the pagans who live in other parts of the world, loincloth, heathens who are running around and never hear the name of Jesus? God has given them a method and means in which they can know who he is. When they look up at the stars and they see that they're stars and the moon and the sun and the flowers that bloom in the spring and the deer that runs across the field and they wake up and they go to the river and the creek is cool and the fish are, are jumping, this did not happen by some chance. He reveals himself in the glory of his nature and his creation. And for those who seek him with all of their heart, because he gives them a general knowledge through general revelation, he will give them a specific knowledge through a specific revelation. You seek him. We're getting to it. Not long. We'll be in that chapter. If you seek him, you'll find him. He's not far from any of us. Reach out. <laughs> right? You, you are the creator who has made all of this, but you're a specific creator who by the mouth of your servant David has proclaimed a truth that we know and testify is real. Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? God, you are a God who is a promise-making, prophecy-preaching kind of God, and we receive that. You are a king, and there is no other king like you. Verse 26, the kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ and of a truth against thy holy child Jesus whom thou hast anointed both Herod the greatest man known in the Middle East of that time and Pontius Pilate the one who wielded the axe so to speak with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together but none of them had authority like you God this is their prayer God you have ultimate authority because what they thought they were doing out of their own will and good pleasure God you had a plan 
And these were rejectors of the truth. And you used rejectors of the truth to wield your plan against your son that made it grace for all of us. Man, you got to get this stuff. And he goes on in his prayer. And he says, for to do whatever the hand and counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, this is verse 29, behold, their threatenings. God, they're, they're talking bad about us. Well, I'm asking you for boldness. Grant unto thy servants with all boldness that, that we may speak your word and stretch forth your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done in the name of your son, Jesus, holy child, Jesus. And in verse 31, go ahead and go there real quick. And after they had prayed, the place was shaken, just like in Acts chapter 2, verse 7, the place was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And you talk about a quick answer to prayer. In one voice, they say, God, we need boldness. Why? Because we're going to do your will. We don't need boldness just to be bold, but we need boldness to do your will. And then all of a sudden, God shows up. His glory is known. The place shakes. They're filled with the Holy Ghost. And what do they do in answer to prayer? In Jesus' name, that they begin to speak in boldness. They act it out in faith as though it was already given. And the prayer is made. Let me ask you a question. What are your prayers made up of? This is something that we've said for a long time. It is, if you are praying prayers that you can answer, then probably you should be an answer to your prayer. Why are you praying things that you should be doing? <laughs> God, would you bless my neighbor? He ain't got no groceries. I know he's having a tough time. Get off your tail and go to vowels. Pick up some groceries and give it to your neighbor. Be an answer to your own prayer. Why not pray things that you can't answer? Why not pray things that you can't do? So whenever they're answered and they're done, you don't get the glory. There's not a gap between everybody else and you. But God gets the glory and you here with the average and God. God gets the glory. Maybe the reason we don't experience power like we desire to experience is because we're not praying like we should be praying. Second thing is, is, is power invades, and I've got to rush through this. I've already preached long enough. What a response to, to a prayer like this is all of a sudden, verse 31, these three things happen in this order. The place was shaken. Haggai chapter 2, verse 7. Little two chapters of Haggai. I will shake all nations, and the desires of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. All of a sudden, God is doing it. Let me just say this real quick. In the Old Testament, they were building a temple. The, the, the foundation of the temple had laid dormant after Nehemiah and Ezra. They built the foundation in Jerusalem. They were raising up the walls. All these things were happening, but for 16 years, they left the foundation barren, and God speaks through Haggai to come and say, hey guys, you can't leave the foundation of the temple here you got to raise this thing up and then through that reviving they raised up a temple and that was the place in which God's glory resided through his presence the Shekinah glory of God but that was the Old Testament you are temples of the Holy Ghost you are the place in which God resides let me ask you this when there is power invading because prayer is made is there a shaking 
inside of you. Not anxiety, not nervousness, but a readiness and a willingness and a stirring of God. Oh, God, stir us up. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. You are filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 2, verse 4, the same exact replication happens in chapter 4. It is the idea of be being filled. It's constantly pour out your spirit upon me, Lord. When I'm saved, I get it. But God, I want to be motivated and moved more by your spirit and walk more in your spirit. And then boldness came quick. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. What do you do with the boldness that you're giving? Therefore, let us come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace, help in the time of need. Is it your desire to experience the power of God by His visitation? Are you willing to let Him invade? I chose that word. I had about three words that I was going to use, but then I went back to this word. I kept going back to this word, invading, because invading, let me just tell you this, guys, invading is what Russia did to Ukraine. Right? The Holy Spirit invading every part of my life. Every area, not one crevice or spot that, that is unturned or undealt with. By His visitation through the powerful experience of His presence, the Holy Spirit. Then the last thing is purposed unity. If any group in the world is going to have unity, it's going to have to be purposed. This is one of our core values of a, as a church. We... We want to have gorilla glue. We want to make sure that we don't wear our feelings on our shoulders because if you put your feelings on your shoulders, somebody's going to bump it off and all of a sudden a friend can become an enemy. A brother or sister can become someone that you want to keep away from, stand off, fight against. And that's not God's plan. How many times have, have we already read through this passage here that, that of their own company, they lifted up the voice to God with one accord. The scripture says in verse 32, and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. They had one objective because they had one heartbeat and it wasn't their heartbeat. It was the heartbeat of God. And so what did they decide to do with this unity, this harmony, this oneness is they decided to live together with what they had. What I have is not my own, but instead I give it to you. And with purpose, they begin to have all things in common. What does it take? It takes forgiveness before the offense comes. You, you have to wake up every... If you want to live with purposed unity, you have to wake up every single day saying to God, God, who do you give me the blessed opportunity to forgive today? Offenses are going to come. Jesus says in Luke that it's impossible that they're going to come. You're going to offend somebody by accident. You know who you are. Some of y'all are going to offend somebody on purpose. You know who you are, right? Some of you guys are going to walk around looking for somebody to offend you. You know who you are, right? So what we got to do is every single day we wake up and say, God, I know the world I live in. I know the words I can use intentionally or unintentionally. I know how I can get up in my feelings. God, show me somebody today that I can forgive because I know offense is going to come. People say to me all the time, I want to be more like Jesus. You're never more like Jesus. But when you offend those, or excuse me, when you forgive those who have offended you, who you determine 
they're not worth forgiving. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to forgive. Their, their offense is coming. They're, it's intentional. It's with malice. It's, it's with manipulation. Praise God. Jesus is on the cross and these people are wagging their heads and they're cursing. He says, Father, condemn them all to hell because they deserve it. Is that what he said? Be like Jesus. Wake up tomorrow morning. Go to bed tonight. God, help me to be a forgiving person. A generous person. That's how we have purpose unity. Don't be stingy. Don't be greedy. Be giving. Be generous. If you see a brother or sister in need, open your heart and share from your heart what you have. And you say, Andy, I don't have nothing. Give them what you do have. You'll find you got a whole lot more than what you really think you got. But the last part of that verse 33, and great grace... See, when there's purposed unity, there's going to be great grace. What is grace? We already looked in Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 16, that, that there's grace and that there is mercy. Mercy is not getting what I do deserve. Grace is getting what I don't deserve. It's, it's the idea that God is a God. The, the, the best way that I can explain this to you is you've got a 10-year-old. He's not cleaning his room. And you tell him, hey, go clean your room. In 10 minutes, I'm coming back. If your room's not clean, it's going to be trouble. And you go back, you do your thing, you come back, and there he is. He's in his bedroom playing his video game, and the room ain't clean. What does he deserve? Right? My... My dad used to take that belt off, sound like a helicopter. <laughs> yeah? He had a little bit bigger waist, too. Seven-foot belt. That's what he deserves. But let's just play the game out, and you say to him, you know what you do? You deserve a, a tail whooping. But I'm going to show you mercy and not give it to you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to show you grace. Let's go get some ice cream. Now, that's not a good parenting model. I'm just trying to teach you grace and mercy, right? Grace, great, great grace was upon a few of them. Is that what it says? It's over all of them. You see, they were all in one accord. They were all praying in one heart with one unity, with one soul. They had all things in common. And because of that, they experienced a grace that was greater. A great grace came upon them all. They started getting a whole lot of stuff they didn't deserve. They didn't work for it. They didn't earn it. God just blessed see, there's purposed unity there. When you experience the power of God, you're going to pray. The power of God's going to invade certain areas of your life that you wasn't expecting. And there's going to be a unity that is unexplainable. Right? Tell you what, let's do this tonight. I know we're running over time. It's okay. We won. You know what I'm talking about? We'll watch ball games going over time. We win tonight. Anyway, shut up, stand up. Stand up.
Let's do this tonight. Every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment. I'm going to ask Eli to come forward and play a guitar just for a second, not lingering this thing on. But I want you just to think about what, what's been said tonight. Pray over that. Seek the Lord for that. What does God expect you to do with that? Spend some time in prayer. Have you experienced the power of God? Do you want to experience the power of God? What's keeping you from experiencing the power of God? Man, he wants to show up. Maybe it's just you need to pray. Man, I got to pray. I got to seek the Lord. What's he saying? Prayer is that time to where there's at moments you're talking to God moments he's talking to you. The power of God's coming into places in your life you never expected. He's showing up. Let me, let me tell you this, with, with the power of God, when he begins to come in the areas of your life that was unexpected, it's a good thing because what he's going to do with his presence is touch sick things. And sick things will be healed. He's going to touch dead things. And dead things are going to be resurrected unto life. He's going to touch these things in your life to where you had lost hope. And all of a sudden, there's going to be a renewing of hope those places where peace had been threatened and he's going to say peace be still and that's what he's going to do if you let him in Lord invade every area of my life I know it's for good I know you got a plan I trust you Maybe there needs to be some healing from hurts, from disunity, to where there can be some unity. People have hurt you, and it's totally understandable. We're hurt people, and because we're hurt people, hurt people hurt people. And so maybe you want to break that cycle of being a hurt person who hurts people. You say, today it ends. And every time somebody gives me a handful of evil, I'll give them two handfuls of good. And every time they curse my name, I'll bless their name. Every time they offer me evil, I'll offer them good. And let the power of God come. Let it fall. Let it happen as it <laughs> as He has chosen to let it happen. He knew. He before He breathed the Orion's belt in the sky, 
before he created the Milky Way and all the other galaxies. He knew. He knew now. He knew you. He knew that. He knew them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 